Um, but today is very special because our own uh, Rick Reams is going to be preaching for us today. So let's give Rick a hand as he comes forward. Over the last few years, I've, uh, Rick has become a, a good friend of mine and, and, and a co-laborer and, and doing such important work. Rick, I remember I met with Rick uh, a while back. I mean, I don't know how long it's been, but I was like, Rick, I really need help on Monday nights at the gathering. Would you be willing to show up at the gathering and, and be a pastor to the people there? And, and Rick, he thought about it for a very short amount of time. I, think he, I don't even think he thought about it. He's just like, sure, I would be glad to do that. That sounds great. And so he's jumped in, and, and he shows up every Monday nights, and he is a pastor to those folks on Mondays, and he creates such a loving and welcoming uh, atmosphere. Rick is also someone who is incredibly humble. He's been willing to grow and learn and push himself into places that um, are new for him and even uncomfortable at times um, because he felt like Jesus is calling him there. And so um, Rick is, is a really, really wonderful guy, and I love this guy. And so I'm excited to hear what he has to share um, really, really some personal stuff this morning about his own journey and how God's been speaking to him. Thank you, John. So for you kids that are going to Aldersgate today, let me just say that I'm married to an Aldersgate alum. She still sings songs from Aldersgate. I don't know them, but she still sings them, and she loves them. And we've taken our kids there, and they've gone on uh, mud wall walks and different things like that. So you all are going to have a great time. For your, your parents, the thing I love about Aldergate the most is you can't get cell service. So that's one bad thing, you can't talk to them. But secondly, your kids are not going to be constantly on their phones. So this morning, I come into this sermon this morning with, it's kind of a free-for-all. And I'll explain why that is. Two weeks ago, we ended our series on First Peter. And John ended that. And last week, if you remember, Tommy Erie came in. Erie came in and did a wonderful job talking about Pentecost. I wish Tabitha was here this morning because I was going to give her a little shout-out. She told us the other night at church at the gathering, she said, I've never had a preacher that had a ponytail preach. And this morning, I was going to tell her she's safe. We're not going to have to worry about that. You see, about a month or six weeks ago, I guess, God put this message on my heart. And honestly, being the type of pastor I am, I don't know when I'm going to preach or where I'm going to preach, and I don't know what I'm going to be told to preach about. So when John asked me about this, if I could preach this morning in between, because we're going to start a series next week, this message came to mind. Now, one thing you need to know about me is God speaks mightily through music to me. Now, I think it was three weeks ago, John talked about a song that touched him, and he and Christina sang that song at the end of the service. Thankfully, I am not going to sing this morning. I'm going to talk about the song that John and the worship team sang, the new song that they just sang. You see, God usually shares his message through song with me in kind of a surprising way. And that is, I never know that I'm looking for that message until the song comes. And what happened with this one, I was looking for a different version of a song that we sang the last time I preached called I Speak Jesus by Charity Gale. And I was looking for a different live version of that just to listen to something different. One popped up and I noticed it was about a 19 minute long. And I thought, wow, that's, she's really increased that song because the original is about seven or eight minutes. And all of a sudden, this song, she started, she and her husband started singing this song that we just sang. And I'm going to be honest with you, it 
floored me. I stopped. And I'm not a crier, but a, a tear started forming under my eye, and I couldn't figure out why is this song touching me so much. But it was like God was just yelling these words at me. Doubt is the field in which we plant our seed of faith. And I thought to myself, God, I don't know that I'm in a field of doubt, but maybe you're trying to tell me that I am. But then I thought, you know what? She's singing this song, but it's kind of in a medley of songs. Maybe someone else sang this song. And so I did a search. It's called Seed of Faith is the name of the song. And I found the lady that wrote it. Her name is Crystal Yates. And as I started playing the video, there was a dark screen. And I'm telling you all this. It's going to make sense, I promise. But there was a dark screen. And all of a sudden, words started popping up. And honestly, I'm not the most patient person in the world. And I usually skip all through that till I get to the music. But for some reason, this day, I read the words. And I realized why this song touched me so much. You see, what she was talking about was during COVID, she had double pneumonia from COVID, and she ended up in the hospital. And she was only supposed to be there for a couple days. And she ended up fighting for her life in the hospital. And some of you know my story from last year. And what floored me was her story was my story. She talked about how she felt far from God and how she couldn't hear God. And that was my story although my sickness was different the story was the same and all of those emotions came flooding back and I want to tell you something if you've ever been in an experience like that there are certain triggers that take you back to those places an ambulance driving by my house will remind me of the night that I could not get cool and the ambulance came and I passed out three times just getting into the ambulance I went to the blood center the other day. I do a, a bi-weekly donation there. And the new things they have that, that check your blood pressure and they take your temperature with, the covering of the thermometer was the same in the hospital. And I texted Stephanie. I said, I almost had a panic attack. So as I was going through this song, all of a sudden, instead of going to panic, God said, I want to use this song. And I want you to use this song. You see, he wants me to share some seeds of faith that we can all plant in our fields of doubt. And friends, I want you to know we all are going to be in fields of doubt. Some of you are in the middle of them right now. Some have just come out, and friends, some will go into it. Dan this, this morning asked me, he said, Pastor, what, what scripture are we going to look at? I told him, we're in a cornucopia of scriptures this morning. We're going to be all over the Bible this morning. Because the way God speaks to me is through stories in the Bible. And there's a number of stories we can learn from. The first one we're going to be in is 2 Kings chapter 6. All of this will be up on the screen, but you can look on your phone, the app, or you can get in, the, in your pew Bibles or if you brought a Bible this morning. A little background. This is a story of the prophet Elisha. Now, he was constantly talking to the king of Israel, and he was constantly telling him of places to be safe not to go because the king of Aram was wanting to not only conquer the Israelites, but he's wanting to kill the king of Israel. And King Aram was so frustrated with this when he finally found out how the king of Israel knew all this. 
So let's read verse 14 through 17. Then he, the king of Aram, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, when Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can you imagine what this servant's thinking? He's going out, he's looking, he's seeing it. Everything is covered with enemies. And Elisha says these words. Those that are with us are more than those are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Friends, sometimes in our field of doubt, we need to ask God to open our eyes to see as our seed of faith. Because I know at least with me, when I've been so deep in that field of doubt, I never look up. I look down where I am, and I try to take that next step. And I never look up to see where God is. But see, the fallacy in that is God's right there in the middle with you. Because you're in a field of doubt doesn't mean he's left. It means he's right there with you. We have to pray and ask God, open my eyes to see you and see what you're up to. What you see, my friends, will be your seed of faith that gets you through that. Let's move into Mark 5, 25 through 34. It said, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? You see the people crowded against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, in your field of doubt, you may plant a seed of faith by just reaching out to your heavenly Father. Sometimes in the field of doubt, we want to do it all on our own. We think we have to do it all on our own. And I know the fields of doubt I've gotten into, a lot of them I've put myself in there. It's my own doing that has gotten me there. And I think if I've gotten here, I've got to get out. But that's not the case. You have to reach out to your heavenly Father. And the thing I love is notice that she didn't say a word. She just reached out. She touched him. And she was healed. Now what I love about that is also the word she used and the word that Jesus used. Said she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And Jesus said, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So is it possible that in our field of doubt, when we reach out to him, 
that we can be freed from our suffering. Because isn't that what we're looking for? Are you brave enough to do that? Reach out to him, no matter how deep in the field of doubt you are mired. Now, I want to go back to the same passage in Mark. It's always interesting, in the, especially in the Gospels, how there's a lot of different stories going on at one time. And this is one of those cases. And we're going to read Mark, 20, Mark 5, 21 through 24, and then through 35 through 42. What I want you to realize is from 24 to 35 is the story that I just read. It said, when Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw, he fell at his feet. He earnestly pleaded with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now understand, again, this man says, come with me and save my daughter. And Jesus stops right there and says, who touched me? Don't you know that Jairus was saying, Jesus, I, I love that someone touched you, but my daughter is dying. I need you to come with me. And then this whole line, this whole event happens with this woman. And don't you know all the while, at least if I was Jairus, I'd be standing there going, this is great, Jesus, come on, let, let's go, we got to go. And then it happens. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but is asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. You see, in our field of doubt, our seat of faith sometimes is having to claim and hold on to don't be afraid just believe and what I want you to see is what the people said to Jesus what they did to Jesus they laughed at him and friends sometimes when we're in our field of doubt and we tell people I'm not afraid I'm just going to believe they're going to laugh at you how's that going for you they may ask but that's okay they can laugh at you because they do not know the one that you're believing in. And that's what gets you through that time. You have to have faith. You have to believe. And remember what the words were. Fear not. I am your God. Fear not. I am with you. And I love these words. I always feel like if they're going to say it in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's much be really important. And those words are, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So when you're in that field of doubt, when you're deep down inside there, and you can't see anything else, don't be afraid. Just believe. These next couple of things I'm going to talk about are personal things to me. The first one I'm going to talk about I've never discussed in public before. And that's because of the, the hurt that I felt from this experience. And so before I say it, what I want you to hear is that church hurt is caused by humans and not by God and Jesus. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And I want you to know that I have total confidence that what happened was not of God, but it was of man. But it did happen, and sadly, I would say that over two-thirds of you maybe have gone through something in a church that has hurt you. So do you remember how many times Jesus would take his disciples away from the crowds? He would take them away not only to teach them, but he'd take them away just to hang out with them. He wanted to spend time with them. Some of you know a little bit of my story. I was the interim pastor at a church in Frankfurt for over a year and a half. Now, my church was a satellite campus of a main church here in Lexington. And I, I can't say this any other way other than the fact that the main church in Lexington had a lot of toxic things going on inside that church. A lot of toxic events happened, a lot of leadership issues. And I felt like my job was to insulate my campus from those. And that's a difficult thing sometimes when you know what's going on, but you're trying to make sure that your campus is not affected by those things. And that's what I did. But let me tell you the effect that had on me. And this sounds very, very weird, but I was so busy doing church that I couldn't do church. I was so busy doing my job that my spiritual life suffered mightily because I was putting out fire after fire after fire but not taking time myself with God. And again, I will tell you, that's a Rick issue. That's no one else's fault. That was my fault. So when that time finished, there came a time where we, I found a pastor that could take this church over that I knew I could trust, and it was time for us to leave. And friends, I was so spiritually empty that I was deep, 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 deep down in that field of doubt. And I heard God say these words to me. He said, Rick, I cannot use you where you are. I cannot use you to minister where you are. And I was fully aware of that. He was exactly right. But he said something else. He said, I want you and Stephanie. You see, Stephanie, spouses of pastors, Laura, you understand this. Lee, you understand this. You go through what your spouse goes through. Sometimes even worse, <laughs> because you have to see the effect it has on your 
spouse. Debbie, I see you shaking your head. I understand. So what happened was God said these words to me. He said, I want you and Stephanie to go to a different church in the Lexington area every week for a year. And I want you to get involved nowhere. I thought, well, that's a strange thing for God to want me to do. So we did. And pretty much every week we went to a different church. There were some weeks where we, some churches we went to a couple times just for different reasons. But we went to a different church every week. Because you see, God wanted to show me how he was at work at different places and how he could relate to different people. And I needed to see that. And the amazing thing also was he needed me to worship without, without responsibility. And amazing things started happening. Slowly I started being filled back up. Until one Sunday, I'll never forget this day, we walked into this church. Of course, we didn't know anyone there. I'd drive down the street sometime on a Wednesday and I'd see a church and I'd call Stephanie and say, hey, we're going to that church. I don't know anything about it. We're going to go to that church. So we walked into that church, and all of a sudden, this preacher stood up, and he said this. He said these exact words. He said, any of you adult crybabies have anything you want to whine about? We got a nursery in the back. Well, friends, I was sitting down, and I was getting ready to stand up. We were walking out. My wife, nicely, okay, and she knows me. When things like that happen, I cross my arms, and that means I'm done. I didn't hear another word that pastor said. We get out to the car, and I was grumbling. Stephanie said, we got a new rule. Every week we have to come up with something positive that came out of the service we went to. She caught me because I said, okay, I, I go first. We got to leave, and we never come back. And she said, no, that's not it. We have to come up with something positive. But I tell you that to let you know that over that week, God slowly but surely built me back up. You see, sometimes in our field of doubt, which I was in, we have to take time away to spend with God. And I'm going to tell you more than that with me, I had to choose to spend time with God. Because it was a conscious choice on my part not to spend the time I needed with God. Now, was that a fun thing to go through? No. But has it changed the person that I am? Yes. So I will always be thankful. First of all, we loved our church in Frankfurt. We still love our church in Frankfurt. I will be thankful for that. But I also will be thankful for the home church that taught me some valuable lessons of things that I needed to know. Now, just a couple weeks ago, if you remember, John talked about the death of their first foster child chosen. And John, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm not talking about this, but I'm guessing that was a pretty deep field of doubt for you during that time. And if you remember, John said this. He said, I appreciate when people told him that they saw him that they saw John's pain and they would go down that road with them. 
And you see, friends, sometimes when friends and family are in a field of doubt, we have to come and drop our seed of faith for them. Now, when I wrote this sermon on Tuesday, I had no idea that this point would be so poignant to me. On Friday, Friday evening, I received a text from a church member in Frankfurt that said um, the pastor there had just sent out a text, kind of a crucial text about people that were in our church that are no longer there but were members when we were in Frankfurt. And it simply said, Leanne is in hospice care in Frankfurt, and they asked for your prayers. Well, Leanne and Will are dear friends of ours, and I reached out immediately to Will, and I said, Will, what is going on? Because Leanne had had lymphoma a couple years ago. We thought everything was great. We had no idea. We hadn't heard a word. And now she's in hospice care. And the way Stephanie, and I, Stephanie works and I work through her is we take food to people. So I texted him and I said, Will, we want to bring food to you because we thought hospice there at home, everything, you know, it's going to be a little bit of time. And he texted me back and he said, Rick, Leanne's at Markey Center Hospice Care and she'll stay here until she passes. And I told Stephanie, I said, these texts keep getting worse. What could be worse than this? And at midnight, he texted me again, and he said, Rick, the nurse came in. They had just gotten in hospice. The nurse came in and said, it will be a day at the most, maybe hours. At 6.15 yesterday morning, Leanne McCann-Isaac met her Savior. And that is awesome. Whenever I hear someone that died, I said, good for them. And I mean that but it's not good for their family. So all of a sudden, I realized that I had to plant a seed of faith in Will's doubt. So John, I took from your friends, and I said, Will, I've not been down this road, but I'll go down with you. And Will is a huge bulking of a man, and we showed up at their house in Lawrenceburg yesterday unexpectedly because I knew if I texted, he would say no. And we had some food and some gift cards and Will and one of his daughters came out to see us and Will, as he walked towards us, just broke down. And just, I mean, if you know Stephanie, she's tiny. I was afraid he's going to hug the, the, the life out of her. And then he, he hugged me. But what I realized is sometimes you just need to be there because men, do you agree with me, we're not allowed to cry. He had to be strong for his four kids, and I'm sure that's the first time he was able to break down. So you see, we have to drop our, our seed of faith in someone else's field. But what I need to tell you is why I love this church so much. There's a number of things, but last year during my illness, I told you all that for some reason I could not pray. Right after I got out of the hospital and I was well enough, I came back and I spoke on this, but I couldn't figure it out. I pray all the time, and in the hospital, I could not pray. Crystal Yates, at the beginning of her song, during those words, she said something that I finally realized what it was. She said, and I will agree, that she could not pray because she was afraid of what the answer from God might you see, friends, I've told people my entire life, I'm ready to die. I know where I'm going. 
When I was on death's door, I realized that was not true. I know where I'm going, but I'm not ready to go there yet. And I was afraid if I asked God to save me, his answer may be, it's your time. So I couldn't pray. I could not pray. I did not pray. But what I loved was every day, I felt like I was being lifted up to the throne of God, and I couldn't understand it. And then I realized it. You folks dropped your seat of faith in my field of doubt. You prayed for me. You lifted me up. You called. You talked to Stephanie. You checked on us. There was a meal train. So many of you all brought food that I didn't even know who you were. And understand, I was in the hospital. I didn't get to eat any of it. <laughs> Some of you all brought food afterwards, and it was delicious. But while I was in the hospital, Stephanie needed that. She could run home and get food. She could run home and bring it back to the hospital. So see, friends, I can never repay you for what you've done. But what I can pray is that I can do that for other people. And I can pray that you can be someone's seed of faith in their field of doubt. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know, my wife's laughing at me, she's right, I'm not a farmer, but I do know that in order for a plant to take seed and grow, it has to have what? Water. It has to have rain to come down. And if you heard the song that we sang, I'm going to close with these words. It says, so let it rain, let it rain, because things start to change. So let it rain, let it rain. It won't be the same. From glory to glory, you're writing my story. When it rains, when it rains, so let it rain. Friends, may it rain down on all of our seeds of faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So now we're going to come to a time of communion. And what I want you to hear this morning is the fact that if you're in the middle of whatever field of doubt you may be in, you are welcome at this table I want to tell you other than the one that instituted this last supper communion Lord's supper there's never been one person that's ever taken it that's been perfect so as you come forward this morning know that God loves you that he cares for you that he does not want you to be in this field of doubt alone and maybe the only step you can make this morning is to step out and come out and take communion. But let that be your seed of faith this morning.